Cradleine Network. I am the law, and this is the sixth episode of Big Bang One, the podcast where we patrol our way through the Judge Dredd magazine. But that's not all, because now this is also the show where we discuss Judge Dredd branded specials, annuals, and yearbooks. To that end, we're looking at the 1991 Judge Dredd mega special. This is the fourth Dredd special. And like so many of these specials is a uh, where new authors and artists can show off their stuff and where people can get a sense of what's in the magazine itself while also having some classic and new s- stories by uh, master dread artist Ian Gibson. Price of the special has gone from 95 pence to £1.75, so like an 80 pence increase, making us money. But more important than that is my guest for this episode, friend of the show and Patreon producer, Zane Kipfeller. Welcome to the show, buddy! Hey, Woo. it's good to be back. Yay. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I know you've been yeah, been in a bunch of these. You're on the on the Star Lordathon, like three other episodes. Definitely great to have you make your way to Big Meg One as well. Oh man, this dread I knew stuff. I'd infiltrate this one too. <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, um because your backyard Patreon as a um, at the producer level, like your name's all over all these shows recently. So listen, like that's exciting times. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> nice. So have you um, been? I know you're pretty new to, still pretty new to uh, to 2000 AD and Judge Dredd and stuff like that. Um, if you um, um, ch- checked out any new stories or made any new, um, um, or have you ha- have you learned more about or or checked out more um, 2080 stuff recently? Um, I actually started reading Zenith. Uh, oh, nice! On uh, a little bit here and there. I have I have the digital one, so reading on my computer, I just kind of read a few pages here and there while I'm in between taking care of the kids, but. Um, Judge Dreadwise haven't really done much more than uh, listen to the show, which has been uh, very. Um, if, if I really want to get into reading some of this because um, the uh, Tony's is that Tony's baby? Which one's that one? Al's baby, yeah. <laughs> Al's baby is. Uh, see, I'm terrible at this. I have to read it in order to, to know listen, the name. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I- that sounds interesting. Um, I'm. I'm really. I, I would like to get more into it. I. I, I Reading is always one of those things I have a hard time picking up. I hear you. It's hard to. It, it's hard to find the time. I'm always way behind on. Um, on keeping up to date with things besides just doing the podcast and stuff like that. Al's Baby's a ton of fun, man. It, there's a. There's a whole collection. There. there, there there's a collection that has all of it um, out there, and. You know, we're just starting it on the show, and it's just this really great um, melding of of action and humor in, in a way that's re- – oh, it's so fun. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Excellent. And so you're also um, a, a, a backing our Patreon page. How are you finding the, uh, the, the Patreon stuff? I like listening to um, your, uh, your once a month, like uh- – catch up like kind of not non-commentary about the comic and just kind of what's going on and everything yeah and uh asking you guys random questions they will ask answer anything so you should just um back that patreon and ask them as many questions as you can no matter how weird they are definitely yeah <laughs> at the, yeah, yeah at the at the ten dollar level yeah that's uh, uh fox and i do 
a monthly a- uh, AMA, the Space Spitter Inquisition. And it's just really a chance for, yeah, we we answer your questions and, like, it's generally like uh, a very tired Fox and Conrad who are doing it. And the important <laughs> thing to know about when we're tired is that – because we usually do it after we've re- recorded an episode already – but when we're tired, we talk more somehow than when we are, are well-rested. And so these shows usually end up being like an hour and a half long and have a lot of like Conrad Fox rambling just about not, – not even about like 2000 AD stuff a lot of times. Just like if you want to hear some video game deep thoughts, which I know people have definitely asked me about, like you'll, you'll yeah. find them there for sure. <laughs> I like hearing uh, – yeah, I like I said, I like hearing the AMA and then uh, while I'm not listening to directly the uh, the current episodes uh, mm-hmm. for um, for the current 2080 stuff that's coming out because I kind of want to – I kind of want to like uh, keep that fresh for myself <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I feel like – like I'm reading this stuff now but I, I'm assuming by the time we get – like we get to 2020 or 2021 in the uh, – in the in the podcast, everything like I'll be I'll be looking back on these old episodes of the Space Spinner present I'm recording. More is like, oh, what did I think? What did a young Conrad think of these <laughs> comics? You know, when I first read them or whatever. You know? Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I'll have two episodes to go off of then. Exactly. In the same week, then. Yeah, I, I should. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I should probably package them together. Of like, hey, here's what I thought at the time. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Sneak peek. Definitely something to keep in mind for when we get there in like 10 years. There's <laughs> an unknown amount of time from now. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. So, yeah, I think, you know, you know, should be exciting times. I'm I'm really enjoying doing the Patreon. I think it's really cool. And like, you know, we've got a small community over there. But if like if any of this stuff sounds interesting, definitely check it out. I don't know. It's a good time. <laughs> but so um, let's I guess let's jump into the special if you're ready. I'm ready. Let's jump in. Yeah. All right. If, you, if you're listening, you want to read along with us, you'll find some of the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Restricted Files 3 and The Young Death Collection. Okay. So before we get started, I should say that um, as we're going into this special, we've just finished issue seven, volume one, issue seven of the magazine. So we've just finished the story, America. We've just gotten started on Al's baby and like Judge Death has just started training and then there's a bunch of other um, semi-one-off or random stories going on. Terrifying spider ladies on the loose, all this kind of stuff. It's a, re- <laughs> it's a ridiculous time. More spider ladies. Uh, rot her name in blood. Um, just, uh, yeah, like there's, there's a brief drop in by uh, John Hinklinton at the end of the magazine. And it's real terrifying just in terms of like, oh, I hope you like body horror because you're getting it, basically. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Listen, keep it in metal, basically. Um, the special opens with a cover by Dean Ornstrom, currently doing a lot of work in the magazine of a very shocked looking Judge Death. And the title, Screamer, with a K and three E's on the bottom. Uh, weirdly, the inside table of contents says that this art's by uh, Glenn Fabry. But I know Glenn Fabry, and that's not it on the cover there. Um, <laughs> the credits also said that this one's edited by Frank Wynn, with assistance from Dave Bishop. And the judge on the inside cover of this one, of... of this comic looks like um, – looks while it does look a bit more like Fabry, it looks a lot more like Glenn Dillon from the story we're about to read, okay. if you ask me. Which in turn takes us to 
301, Cult of the Thuggy. Ridiculous script robot, Alan Grant, art <laughs> robot, Glenn Dillon, lighting robot, Gordon Kid Robson. So Glenn Dillon is the younger brother of artist Steve Dillon. He's probably best known these days as a concept artist and designer for uh, for Star Wars movies like The Force Awakens and uh, Rogue One. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, he's got to sort of move on to some cool stuff. And we start this one in the, I guess, the in, in a very Indian section of Mega City One, it's full of like Hindi writing and thronging masses, many of them with um, blue skin. I think I see at least three quarters. No, I, yeah, all of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the background here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, also Pepsi logos and we see Dredd and Anderson rolling through the streets on their lawmasters. Though we, we sort of get this profile view of the lawmasters here and, uh, and, and, uh, Dylan draws them with these weird, like, I don't know, full backed seats, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like it doesn't look like they're like, like this does not look like proper posture is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah lounging seats here. Yeah. yeah. Like an I, I can't sit in bikes like that. I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like you'd get up and you have to be like, ah, like you'd have to like stretch your back for a second <laughs> when you did. Um, yeah. So the narration says the goddess smiles. She will drink deep tonight as a, um, oh God, I lost my, oh God, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Drink tonight as a figure in a turban strangles a man standing in an alley. Dread spots the crime, signals Anderson, and the two approach the co- the perp. But then, but uh, when Dread draws down, the killer runs, undoing his turban as he goes, and then using it as a makeshift noose to hang himself. Whoa, it's crazy! Yeah, he did that quick. Yeah, he really like went from zero <laughs> zero to suicide like instantly. I guess. <laughs> I guess content warning for the record. Um, um, investigating it, they find a judge's badge on the corpse, Judge Patel, who um and uh, and uh, um who. Who's been missing for about a week, last looking into a spate of stranglings, which I guess seems appropriate. Anderson scans his mind and finds the location of a secret underground temple dedicated to a Hindu death goddess. And there's some pretty solid, like, uh, reaching into his mind here. Um, you know, good, good mind reading imagery is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it took me a little bit to figure out what was going on. I thought it was all one big symbol. <laughs> yeah, first. there's sort of like Anderson's face. And like a big stone symbol and like, you know, a, a, a six lady, a six arm topless lady and stuff. There's a lot going on at, 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 at once here. It's appropriate for a Hindu death god. Yeah, I guess so. They investigate <laughs> and find the temple full of worshippers being controlled by a giant statue of that same six legged, uh, six arm goddess of, of Kali with some beam coming out of it as the priests, as a priest chants, thuggy, thuggy, thuggy. Oi, oi, oi. It's hypnotizing people, including <laughs> Anderson. Oh, no. Kill, kill, steal, kill. <laughs> kill them. Kill them for Kali. Um, I love this next uh, panel, this first panel. Yeah, yeah. Anderson's Anderson <laughs> Anderson goes crazy. She's all like cross-eyed and stuff. It's, it's, it's no good. She attacks Anderson. And so Dredd has no choice but to judo throw her just like five miles. Like he just yeets her just basically. <laughs> Pretty solid. This is straight whips her. It yeah. looks so good. And then he goes and, uh, you know, Dredd, he, again, Dredd, as always with the Mega City judges, they've been in these situations before. They know what to do. 
which is that when there's a bunch of people clearly being mind controlled and a giant statue that has a big gem in its head, you blow up that gem, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. he does that and then uses a high X round on one of the statue's arms, which is doing like a uh, like a V like the uh, I guess it's actually like the uh, like the the V fingers finger symbol that's the equivalent of like the middle finger in england basically like that backwards uh, like uh-huh. two fingers up um and dread blows that hand off and it falls directly onto the priest's head crushing it which is pretty awesome I mean, as well amazing I mean, that's why dread's the best absolutely he knows <laughs> what he's doing about skill man. yeah come on he like had that uh, he had the the trigonometry worked out perfectly you know <laughs> <laughs> judges come from the ufo squad and i should say that these guys have a frankly ridiculous seven bars on the on the forehead shields of their helmets like these are wide helmets um seventh division is that is is that supposed to mean something i particularly? don't it, i don't think it means anything i just because okay. like the bars like it's just something i notice on how people draw dread helmets you know gotcha because okay. like depending on the artist Dreads like the uh, the bars and the thing in Dreads helmet could be anywhere from three to six like bars. Oh, on there. okay. And it's always Dreads. So yeah, it, it, it's always Dreads. So it's not like it's different people where the where the bars mean different things. It's just sort of whatever you feel up to how much how much space you want on Dreads helmet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And okay. seven's a lot is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> it definitely looks like a lot. <laughs> but anyway, they arrive to take the uh, formerly hypnotized cultists to the Coop Cubes for about a week for observation, including Judge Anderson, who we see kind of like has like a broken nose and is like, oh, what happened? <laughs> Dred's doing that like finger like spinning by the side of the head like you're crazy kind of thing to in the last panel. <laughs> Me and the goddess didn't see eye to eye whoa Whoa. (laughs) all right (laughs) fun stuff i'm i I must say i'm intrigued by this like indian section of mega city one i feel like that's that's the big thing that that i feel like is, is the mystery here it's an interesting setting yeah i mean it's just sort of i like i guess it makes as much sense as in a previous special they went to these blocks that were all Scottish, I guess. Like mm-hmm. the the city blocks had uh, had tartan print on them and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. And I, so Maybe I guess they were just, yeah. uh, into all the hats because there's a lot of cool hats. Definitely. <laughs> stick yeah, we got a bunch of bunch of turbans. Someone's got one of those like really like a fez, but like a, a one foot long fez or something like that. These are good looks. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And speaking of looking good, let's talk about <laughs> Thrill Do Love Story. Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art robot Ian Gibson as Emberton. Coloring robot Steve Whitaker. Letting robot Tom Frame. And this story will start out with a reprint from, Fro- from Prague 444 back in 1985. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ian Gibson's on art here as love means never having to say you're under arrest. Whoa. Uh, a Lady Bella Bagley is being attacked by mutants in Mega City 1 when Dredd shows up, dr- uh, uh, drops a couple of them, and almost arrests her for incitement, you know, a- as you do. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to call out um, ba- uh, uh, Bagley's extremely 1985 uh, glamour mullet here. You know, short on the top, like long and curly in the back. This is this is a is a is an is an excellent look of this era for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it suits her. It's fine. Yeah. He gives her a ride home. And as she does, she falls hopelessly in love with him. She after afterwards, she starts writing him love letters, spends all day mooning over him, all this kind of stuff. Her her parents are yelling at her, things like that. Um, eventually they get so worried about her that they convince Bella to call Dread, and she says she has important information for him and they, and they meet on Lovebird Walk. Mm-hmm. Which used to be where everybody goes to admire the city or something. But they built it specifically to keep them out of the city. Yeah, well just, you know, like listen, <laughs> like I'm trying to go to the movies. I don't want to see people making out, you know, whatever. Just take <laughs> keep it, it to the walk. Yeah, go to your own space. Come on, that's why we have that space. Uh, <laughs> Dredd has no time for love, like Dr. Jones himself. Um he says he never got the letters, and when she confesses her love, um, he lets her down hard. The only thing he loves is the law, which she's currently breaking by wasting his time. <laughs> in response, yeah, it's pretty solid. Like, listen, mm. Dredd will arrest you. Um, in response, Bella goes to jump off the pedway, but Dredd catches her by her hair. And, which, so the Oof. bullet came in handy, I guess. And yeah. <laughs> sends her to the psycho cubes. I'll be waiting. I'll wait for you, my darling, she says. And she'll be back in the 1991 Mega Special, a.k.a. right now. Thrill right 3, Feudal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> so so this was made just for the Mega Special, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah this story definitely okay. is. Like, a Mega Special, always a great spot to... Like all these specials are great for like, oh, you've got kind of a kind of a side story. Maybe you want to give space to, but you don't really want to put it in the comics. So let's just have this in here. You know, it's for the ultra fan anyway, because it refers back to an older thing. So you can do the reprint of the actual Definitely. story and stuff. You know, I mean, Dread's full of these little hanging plot lines. And so yeah, I was uh, confused about it first. I was like, oh, was this like a forgotten story from some time ago? And they inserted it. But you've already covered nah, it. It's at just, one point, yeah, so. it's just a it's just a yeah, it's just from 1985. But very much like, all right, like someday I'll return. Yeah. You know, sometimes Definitely. someday I'll return means Chopper comes back and we have a big mega epic. And sometimes we just have kind of a fun story <laughs> in a special. It's fine. You know, it's, yeah. there's a couple of different ways to do it. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, so script robot John Wagner, art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot Gordon Kid Robson. Um, and I think it's really neat, actually, just because this really does give us a sense of how Gibson's art has evolved over the, next, over the last six years. You know, you can really, especially comparing like his dreads here, his dreads become much more, much larger and more stylized, even going mm-hmm. back to my, my, uh, my uh, 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 helmet stripe mentioning, you'll see that in <laughs> the older now. ones, he's got five <laughs> and now he's got four, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. In the original special, the story was cut into two parts, but they've been collapsed down to one, this digital version we got. So we're going to do it all at once, just if you're reading along in the hard copy here. Um, Judge Dredd gets a call from a public phone booth by a lady. Why didn't you call me? She says. And this lady keeps talking to Dredd like they have an intimate relationship, and he just keeps asking who the heck she is. At the booth, an old woman also wants to use it again. Like, wow, the last one we had hair from 85. This becomes a very old school thing of just the idea that there are phone booths. 
And mm. when you needed to call, need to make a call and you weren't at home, you'd have to wait in line for whoever was in the phone booth to finish, you know, something, something I barely remember in my forties, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous thing. Um, I missed out on phone booths. So they had ups and downs. Like, I feel like even, you know, like whatever, again, I, again, newly minted 40, but for me, I feel like it was mostly just for kids and like, and for gangsters, basically, who didn't want their calls traced. <laughs> like, that's mm. the primary use um, at, 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 at that point, at least. Um, but anyway, um, the lady yells at Dread and says she's pregnant and it's his baby. Whoa. <laughs> Big if true. Uh, yeah, that's how you get his attention. <laughs> yeah. Dread dispatches a judge to check on this obviously insane woman. And that's a good thing because as she hangs up, she then pulls a laser out of her purse and zaps the old lady right in the forehead. Later, Dread's on his bike when Control reports the identity of, of, of the caller. It's that dang Bella Bagley of the Eric Siegel block. And I should mention that Eric Siegel is the author of the book Love Story, which then inspired oh. the film Love Story, which is where the, uh, that uh, famous quote, uh, love means never having to say you're sorry, comes from. Uh, okay. Just, I guess, FYI. Yeah, so, anyway, Bella's up to her old tricks as Judge Polanski investigates the dead woman, Mrs. Happy Belgrano. The weapon appears to be a kitchen laser of some sort, and there's a note saying, Remember me now, Joe? Which feels like you're getting very uh, fatal attraction here. <laughs> Dread heads to Eric Siegel to investigate, arriving at Bella's apartment, and what he does, he gets chewed out by her parents. We're like, oh, here he comes, the dog himself, Mr. Heartbreaker, etc. I really loved this part with these these two characters with Jed. Yeah, they go, they <laughs> yell at him, they shame him, they demand that he marry Bella after what he did. <laughs> and Jed's like, you people are 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 simply insane. <laughs> he leaves them and then gets a report that Bella has been cornered by the judges in St. Peter Root Hospital. She's killed one elder and has taken several hostage. Um, and I, I couldn't figure out who Be who Peter Root was for the for the record. But anyway, um, she wants to talk to Dread on the phone, and Control says to humor her, Dread, just while we we try to figure things out. Dread answers. Mm -hmm. He and he like goes full full hog. He calls her darling. Agrees they had a swell time last night and asks her to give up the hostages. She says no and reveals that all of her hostages are old ladies in wheelchairs and she's rigged this like sheet metal slide, I guess, going just straight out the window with a rotten pulley system hold, uh, 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 holding the elsters back. She's thought about this. She like, <laughs> listen, she is implying several machines here. This took some time to set up for sure. <laughs> several pulleys. Yeah. Uh, laser wire. I don't know. Where did she even got the sheet? Where, where did she get that slide, man? <laughs> you can't yeah. just walk around with that. It's like 12 feet long. But I just got to wait for the mega special to uh, or the, um, the the mega epic to explain it. Right. I'm ready. I am ready. <laughs> Um, we see her using this thing as she cuts a cord and sends an elster just zooming right out a window to her death, which is pretty, oh man, this is a pretty solid Mega City 1 um, hostage situation here, I think. <laughs> it's another day in Mega City 1. I, I like mean, this. Yeah. I think that's funny. I mean, it's terrible, but it is funny. <laughs> this is just hitting the daily quote of how many old people flying out of windows they'll get you know they gotta you gotta get to that number somehow it's just how it goes you know 
<laughs> Dread arrives on the scene, disarms, allows himself to be cussed, to be cuffed, I should say. He then enters the room with Bella and the hostages, continues to humor her, playing along with her profession, her profession, professations, whatever, of, of love and affection. And once she gets close enough, <laughs> he butts her right in the forehead. Bap! I, I feel like we can't skip Judd, uh, Dread saying some of these things to her. Oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> like, you're right. Of course. Like, you're like, so right. What a fool I've been. Oh, Bella, darling. I love you so much. Come closer, <laughs> darling. Kiss me. I, Let me feel your sweet lips on mine. I can't imagine how deadpan that would act, should actually sound to, <laughs> to See, him. This is, this is the kind of th- like... um. I've heard, uh, or recently people have been talking about this, you know, the uh, the long rumored Judge Dredd uh, TV show and stuff. And everybody mm. talks about wanting to do episodes that are like big, like special effects, heavy epics and like action scenes and stuff. But like, this is a pretty fun, like just no special effects Judge Dredd episode, basically. <laughs> You know, Absolutely. Oh. This would make a really good opener for like a Judge Dredd movie. And I could I could really ima- – and honestly, anybody who's ever played Judge Dredd, like saying this, all this like sappy love stuff is s- such a funny uh, juxtaposition. Absolutely. Yeah. But he headbutts her. She just gets knocked out right away. The Eldsters are saved. The one still wants to go on the slide. And Bella's taken back to the cubes. <laughs> I'll say I'll say this for you, Dread. You sure can kiss, but it's like a it's like a, it's it's like a, it's it's like a Glasgow kiss or whatever. I don't know what the thing is, but yeah, kind of missing out by by having BAP be the sound for the headbutt because I think we all know from Me Machine that Bach is the official 2000 AD sound for a headbutt. But still, good times, and <laughs> Bella Bagley will return in the year 2002. Oh yes. man. <laughs> proper recurring character yeah this story is not over we got decades between <laughs> between adventures but they're still coming she's just in that cube st- stewing you know she killed two pe- she killed a couple people so she's got to do heavier time i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah exciting stuff but speaking of maybe less epic stories we could talk about thrill for a typical saturday afternoon in east meg 2 one pager um art uh writer unknown artist sean phillips lettering unknown also very mysterious one pager here because there's no room for credits card basically yeah <laughs> there's a little something in the second panel but i can't yeah read it. well it says it says sean 91 so that and so that's the signature from sean phillips ah um so east meg 2 fascism has crushed communism but there's still not a lot of change. Everybody is always still waiting in long bread lines, as you do in sort of nineteen in early nineties uh, uh, Russia. But you can cut the queue by buying from the dirty Mac of a flasher slash black market dealer. Oh man, get a second of him flashing these folks. You know, again, got the trench coat, got the shoes, no socks. Very disturbing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, uh, Ivan Ripitov's cash and carry. And he's just got a whole bunch of fun uh, future drugs and items in here. You know, various candies, West Coast white and Brazilian brown um, baggies of powder. If you take my meaning, there's a uh, <laughs> there's some there's some Mega City One stuff in here too. There's like some uh, auto sump ugly stuff, like a like a a packet of pus and a pa- packet of a pimplon, which you could use to give yourself pimples and stuff, as well as just cans of Boeing. 
and baggies of uh, goldfish. And of course, he's got the standard issue heated underwears as well. That's very important. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> yeah, heated U fronts. You know, that's uh, what you do in the future. Stay warm. You, you gotta when you can just get a breeze up your kilt if you're just wearing the trench coat and under things, I guess. Truth. Um, <laughs> Used potatoes, one per person. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. No. Solid, <laughs> solid updates, you know? I definitely don't want a used potato. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how used it is, for the record. All right. <laughs> but if my mind went elsewhere. Maybe it's just in a stew, but you pulled it out like a bay leaf or something. Oh. That, in turn, takes us... To, oh, say, speaking of reusing things, actually, let's talk about Thrill 5, Mask of the Judge Death. Uh, script robot size Spencer... Art robot John McRae, lettering robot John McRae. I, I believe this is the first 2080 related work for Cy Spencer, who who's being published in the magazine to this day. Actually, cool like debut nice. for a, a new author. This story is set during Necropolis, takes place in the Edgar Allan Poe block, of course, the uh, famous poet, and generally seems to be a retelling of of Poe's story, The Mask of the Red Death, but with Judge Death in it instead of um, a, a more mysterious figure. Mm. Um, so Vincente Prospero, who ha- is the same name as the guy, as the ma- as the main character in the original story, um, believes that his holdout in the Edgar Allan Poe block will protect him from the dark judges in the midst of Necropolis. Again, I don't want to do a ton of just one to ones with the original story, but the Mask of the Red Death is about a guy who has a like like an abbey or a fortress or something that he thinks will protect him and his rich buddies against a plague outside basically oh, um okay but and otherwise runs very similar to this he holds a costume ball where everybody's um indulging in various illegal things they're eating sugar and reading old comics and then they're dressed like mega city one things even things that wouldn't make sense for you to dress like them just based on the story like someone's dressed like like tweak from the cursed earth that uh, aardvark alien which no one knows about because you know that was the deal he made with judge dread but anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> there's seven rooms in his apartment and each one has bigger and bigger parties, except for the seventh, which is black and empty, except for an extremely ominous clock. So scary that the whole party stops when it chimes the hour. Anyway, all this stuff, there's a lot <laughs> going on. We're partying down. Everybody's wearing Judge, uh, Judge, Judge Dread costumes of various kinds. Um, when a new guest arrives... And it's clearly actually Judge Death, but Vincente, as you do, <laughs> assumes that it's someone wearing a Judge Death costume in very uh, poor taste. So angered by this party foul, Vincente attacks the figure and just gets his face smushed in. Oh, it's bad times. This he grabs Hardcore. his face and just kind of just like a bleh, like he kind of kind of smushes his face into <laughs> just pieces. Like a, yeah, Death then makes his way through, killing everybody. Um, there are some really cool, um, costumes as he goes through, I should say, just characters I recognize from classic Judge Dredd, like a, there's a Neon Knight, there's Fergie, there's, um, Fillmore Pharaoh in his pole tab, um, um, costume and stuff. And eventually as death kills them all, he vanishes and the life of the ebony clock was done, and the dark judges held dominion over all Necropolis. 
That's good times, I guess. Quite a interesting story. I had to read it a couple times to kind of figure out what was going on, but uh, otherwise it was. It got. I think it got better when Death showed up for sure. (laughs) Absolutely, and I, I, I do really love just how black um, McRae is drawn. This comic, that's always a, a big thing I like is when like the default color in the background is like black and it seems like there's been white drawn onto it as opposed to the alternative, I guess. Yeah, um, definitely. Very dark, very mysterious. I should say, I just noticed that they've, after Judge Death does his dirty work, he defaces the uh, Edgar Allan Poe block to say the uh, the death all in block or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah, fun, you know, again, like... I feel like this is one where I haven't read The Mask of the Red Death recently, and so it. Um, I feel like this might have more if you were if you had some knowledge of that of that story that you could sort of like, like oh yeah, like here's where we were getting mm-hmm. Judge Death into it or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had, if I had have ever read it or known anything about it, it would probably have assisted me in this one. Yeah, but I think this still ends up being just kind of a dark, kind of kind of spooky kind of story, and I feel like that's. That's the best you can ask for, I think. Yeah, it definitely maintains a really good atmosphere, and the art—the art helps a lot with all the darkness. Um, I like how it gets much darker towards the end. It's a lot lighter in the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. Bit. By the end, like there's especially one, or, like the page where he like kills um, Vicente. It's like the whole thing's in shadow, just with a couple like images, just barely peeking out of the darkness. Basically, very nice. The darkness. Um, and speaking of Judge Death, hey, let's talk about Thrill Six Technical Death. This one doesn't have credits. It says it's written by Judge Brufin, who is a tech judge we met during Oz, I believe, but that's just a fictional character. Um, I assume, though, it's written by um, Steve Butcher, because he, or by Mike Butcher, I should say, because he writes most of these ones. And this. Um, text piece is basically just a rundown of all the tech technology and talents that Judge Death and the Dark Judges have shown over the years. Um, I'm not going to recap it because we recapped in the course of the podcast, so whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like I read out. some of it. I, I didn't read all of it, unfortunately. I think it's it, it's it's definitely interesting, and I think it's doing the other like like we've seen one thing that I feel like special should be doing, which is having having things that are kind of treats for long-term fans, like continuing the Bella Bagley story. Um, And then doing the other thing, which is um, having some information dumps to help get new readers up to speed, basically. And so if you were a relatively new reader of, say, the Judge Judge Dredd magazine, for instance, um, you could, you know, you'd see like Young Death, maybe you'd read some Necropolis story, some, some parts of Necropolis, but you don't really know the rest of this character's history, so this is just a quick rundown. And then it gives a list of the progs you can find the stories in afterwards, so you can kind of check those out at your leisure as well. Hmm. Very nice. Yeah, you know, I don't know, sort of double work. Also, the third job, which is just, um, like, having some filler to um, take up space in the comic. <laughs> Always important. <laughs> But I get well, you know on the topic. But 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 let's talk about new thrills instead. In this case, Thrill Seven: Strange Cases. Uh, script robot David Stone, art robot Dean Ornstrom, lettering robot Tom Frame. Um, we just saw the first Strange Cases installment in the magazine last episode. Um, and in the magazine, it'll be a while before we actually see Judge Edwina Strange there, who's opening us up here. Um, Strange Cases very much the uh, the 
early version of a future shocks in a magazine sort of one-off dread dread world related stories essentially okay i was curious how this um how the the beginning and the end of this tied into the centerpiece it's just yeah, a, kind of like a story being told okay yeah it's very much that we start with judge edwina here as she's like um threat as she's sort of like interrogating someone apparently about to cut the top of his skull off to get to his brain and she's just she's basically just doing some crypt keeper work here or a rod serling work for instance to sort of mm-hmm. um introduce the story that's about to happen essentially um so she sort of come opens us up talks about how the human brain is fascinating and then um takes us into the story a man wrapped in bandages is climbing a very brain-looking hill, laments that they've sliced my eyes. They've sliced his head, um, and um, they've stitched shapes into his skin. And worst besides, as the ground splits open with spiked tentacles, and then a giant dreadlock skeleton rises from the ground and prepares to eat the bandaged man. Whoa, there's just a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. Cut to the mindscape. Same. Yeah, good mindscape stuff. Again, like I like this giant skeleton. I feel like it's either dreadlocks or like wires coming off of it. I guess and it's kind of got a. It's kind of like maybe a robot skeleton. It now could that be. I'm yeah, it's got a it. couple of robot arms, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of, and the legs even. Yeah, weird. You know, weird stuff. I think that's what we're what, what we're saying. Big dreadlock um, wires. Yeah, Pennywise <laughs> teeth, things like that. Cut to the same man waking up in a hospital room covered in tubes and stuff. He moves around through a high-tech hospital room as two men in a lab watch him on view screens. Um, it's being run by a man named Mr. Creed. And as a, bo- as a boffin type explains that he's connected the ape, animal, and reptile parts of his brain together, which could make him the perfect soldier or worker or something. I'm not quite sure if that's actually how the brain works, but it doesn't matter because he's escaped. <laughs> so I just like, I don't know, because it's widely known, I feel like, oh, yes, there's a human. There's like an ape part of your brain and a reptile part of your brain. I assume that's as real as like using five percent of your brain or something where it's like it's the parts we don't use are the reptile brain and the ape brain and (laughs) yeah i get something where like at some point in like a science show for kids they tried to simplify things by explaining it but then the simplified answer became the truth that everybody believes and stuff like that i don't know Um, the bandaged man looks at the scars covering his body and feels a huge anger raging in his brain. He grabs that anger and floats above the ground. The tech calls the guards, but um, but as what but uh, what, but as one responds, or sorry, but no one responds as the door to the lab crashes open and the man bandaged floats in, arms outstretched, and soon only skeletons remain. As the figure floats out of the research facility, burning as he goes. And Judge Strange wraps up the story by saying that no one survived the blaze. And this guy must be out there somewhere. But that's a story for another day. Oh, the man with the (laughs) hook on his hand was me. (laughs) I don't know if this story gets picked back up. I sort of assume that that it doesn't. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just... Chance for Dean Ornstrom to draw spooky stuff is mostly what I'm what I'm seeing here. I guess maybe some I like the like the uh, the the artwork for the skulls, like the 
Oh yeah, they still got their eyes in them. That's always a good mm-hmm. good skull looking like just some hair just grasping onto the tops of their skulls and things like that. Pretty fun. But so, you know, that's a new story. Trying to get crazy. Let's get crazy with an old story as well. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Thrill 8, It Pays to Be Mental. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Ian Gibson as G. Twerk. Or Q. Twerk, I should say. Letting, uh, color robot, coloring robot Tim Perkins. Letting robot Tom Frame. Ian Gibson again drawing this one as we do another classic thrill. This one from Prague 468 from 1986. And uh, a citizen calls out to us, the reader, breaking that fourth wall. He's the one smiling face in a crowd of run-down, tired mega-citizens. And why? Because he's mental, buddy. Don't worry about it. You gotta be in a city like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But because he's mental, Dredd pulls him aside and asks him, like, why why are you so happy, buddy? What do you, uh, (laughs) what's your deal? You think something's funny here? Am I a joke to you? (laughs) And while he searches him, he eventually lets him off when he finds his mental card. Dread, of course, doesn't see us when um, this guy, um, when this this kid motions to him or or motions to us. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, who are you talking to? I'm talking to them. Who's them? Them. They're out there, man, on the other side of the page. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> citizen heads to his shrink's office and... In there, his shrink is uh, is locked in, hyper-paranoid, doing a fake Freud accent, and wearing a fake goatee with glasses periodically, you know, just so they can't know who I am. I like that part, too, <laughs> where he just took off his fake glasses, nose, yeah. goatee, mustache thing. That was good. Oh, getting, yeah, this is as he's, like, so shocked because the citizen keeps talking about – talking to us, basically, and, like, pointing out how the camera's moving or how the uh, the, the, the comic's camera's moving around and stuff. Mm-hmm. The shrink says that the citizen's sunny disposition isn't normal and prescribes going out and getting mugged to le- to lessen it. <laughs> Later, in in the rough part of town, he's menaced by some muggers who get greedy when they see his mental card. Because if you have one, apparently it lets you do anything, basically. You can just say, yeah, I'm crazy. Sorry. You know, that's how it goes. Um, The two muggers fight over it. One of them kills the other, but is then promptly flattened by a falling bat glider just out of nowhere. Happens all the time. I guess it pays to be mental, you know? It's just too many people in one space. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff happens. It just could be anything. Definitely. This also explains why Dread is suddenly on the scene and marks it as a murder and an accident. But the, but the citizen, still anxious for a beating to lessen his mood, grabs one of the one of the muggers' coshes and hits Dread on the helmet and gets punched in the face for his trouble. Pretty hearty. Oh, punched in the gut and the face, I should say. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's beaten up, and his shrink is also arrested because he thought he could only trust his. P- and he freaks out because he thought he could only he could he could trust his patients, but now one has betrayed him as well. The mental sit goes to the cubes, as does the shrink. Both in those mental, both in those in, in those in those psych cubes. But honestly, it's not that bad. And besides, as always in this city, it pays to be mental. <laughs> Fun stuff. We've actually had a sequel to this one in recent months, oh. which was uh, "It Still Pays to Be Mental," which was <laughs> all right <laughs> about both these, both the uh, both the citizen and the shrink getting uh, getting out of out of the psycho cubes. Wow, and then awesome! 
being crazy still. And, you know, Dredd, I believe Dredd just arrests the uh, the shrink this time because he's a bad influence. Uh, I look forward to it then. <laughs> Very fun. And this takes us to just a quickie here. Thrill 9, Dread Pinup. Which is just what it sounds like between thrills. we got a quick black and white Dread Pinup here as he fires some kind of big old rifle at an unseen opponent. You know, fine work. It's uh, art by uh, Edmund Perryman, who I'm not that familiar with, but, um, you know, does does okay stuff here. Big knee pads, I'm noticing. But that's, you know, mm-hmm. n- neither here nor there. <laughs> Four bars on the on the helmet. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> I like the machinery design in the background. It's not too. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool kind of warehouse location or something. Yeah. I kind of wish I had a little more action to uh, Dredd's motion on mm. this. Yeah, it'd be uh, cool if, if if you could see what he was shooting at. I guess that that's definitely then, uh, true. I would have liked only to see some. Okay, sorry, I'm only having three teeth there. Kind of looks a little weird. Yeah, it makes him look like an older dread somehow. You can just see his bottom teeth. Would, would I like to see some shell cases being ejected? If I'm really like picking nits and stuff like that, but you know, there's fun, a few on stuff. the right. I think that's what those are flying out. Oh, but it doesn't right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah, really yeah. look as good. I, I mean, and you can see the straps busted on the bottom. That's kind of like the only bit of action there. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some more stuff. I take back my uh, my shell casings critique because they are there. So fine enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, pretty standard Judge Dredd. So let's get crazy. Zane, I'm tired of conventional on-model dreads, all right? Yeah, me too. Let's blow it up with Thrill 9, Judge Planet. Script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Shaky Kane and Joe Flatters, lettering robot Bambos Georgiou. Okay. (laughs) What a trip this one is. Yeah, this is the first time we're seeing the work of artist Shaky Kane, not counting some reader art he did really long ago in the early days of the Prague when he was just a kid. Oh, Um, nice. We're going to see more of him in the Meg as we go through. I would say, you know, definitely his style is controversial, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think... But as a lover of like Silver Age comics, Kane's work really has a place in my heart. Like he's one of the most direct descendants of like Jack Kirby in terms of art styles I've ever seen. Like not in terms of like of just of like, listen, I'm just doing some Jack Kirby shit here. Here's some crackle. Here's these mm-hmm. big angular. Here's this big angular technology stuff. Big space, big, big outer space full of bright colors and stuff. It makes it feel like a huge – it, even though this is new – to me, all of this color and like bold lines really makes it feel like it's a huge throwback story, like something that would be in like the 60s or something like that, like this sort of yeah. psychedelic look. It's very strange for as we're entering into this very grim and gritty 90s era, you know? Yeah, really uh, unconventional. It's – it's um, yeah, you really can't see stuff like this anymore uh, in, a, in like the main – Companies like Marvel and DC, no. stuff like that. You just don't see this. No, this is like it's um, it just it's 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 it, to me it, it feels like almost like a uh, like an evolutionary offshoot or something like that. Like this, like 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 a platypus comic or something that sort of just <laughs> was able to go in a different direction than everything else went from its starting point and then just sort of stayed there and it's weird. Basically, I don't know, but I think it's pretty cool. I like these shapes and bright colors. It's very bold, very crazy. My one complaint is that 
Shaky Kane draws an incredibly wide salad bowl esque uh, dr- uh, uh, dread helmet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I don't, I don't like. I don't like that, he- like the, the helmet that it's or like like a lampshade or something like that. <laughs> it's like a bug head or something. Yeah, thing. I just like a more a more form fitting helmet is what I'm trying to say. Um, anyway, a giant judge like figure is approaching the planet Earth. With no other options or way to communicate with it, Dread has missiles fired at the at the at the being. But instead of being destroyed, it just begins to reform and change. Hovering over Earth, it changes shape. It changes shape constantly as riots break out over the city and more missiles are fired. They're sending out strange signals, and after a few days, the tech guys are finally able to decode it, and it's saying. I wet, I've wet my knickers over and over again. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> At last, though, they're able to get a good view of the creature, and Dredd recognizes it. It's Judge Billy Planet. He used to be smaller. <laughs> Commissioned Galactus to become a judge. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like that one green lantern that's also a planet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but in, in oh man judge planet that's the other one but anyway um judge planet used to be smaller and part of the justice department space program part of a program called howl which was apparently to be sent he was he was to be sent to the deep hold card heart deep cold heart of infinity but not just but not his body just his soul would go or something and indeed they called the ship he was taking the soul gun and he'd be traveling in deep space at the speed of soul, which I got to say was not mentioned in that in that Pixar movie for the record. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> not as much interstellar travel there as I expected. Um, anyway, but then something went wrong and the soul gun exploded and Billy's body died and it was assumed his soul would too. But now nah, he's been swirling through the galaxy as a consciousness for years, eventually reforming a body the size of several planets, as you do, essentially. Mm-hmm. There's a big full pa- or almost full page image of him reforming that also really reminds me of um, of Steve Ditko's character uh, Eternity from uh, Doctor <laughs> Strange. <sighs> Just this, you know, black. That's my favorite callback ever. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm doing the reverb as we speak. But uh, yeah, but like this, this black form with an out- outline that's got like stars and planets sort of inside of it and stuff. I think that's always a cool look. Love me that guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's like a goldfish yeah. in a bowl. The bigger the bowl, the bigger it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It grows to fit its container. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah j- just like me. Uh, <laughs> Not sure what to do. Dread heads to check with Billy's mom to see what's going on. And she reveals the hidden truth that Billy would come visit her even when he was a judge. And he'd just sit in his old room and play with a doll with green hair called Betsy Wetsy, which is, you know, disturbing. I'm not going to lie to you. Don't know mm-hmm. if I like that for a judge. And I also say the timeline doesn't really work out because the mom says he had the doll until he was 14 when he would have been in the Justice Department from age five onwards. But this is sort of a Peter Milligan, like definitely non-canonical story. So better not to worry about these things. Um, the doll, <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Don't, if you, if you stress about this, you'll never get, you'll never get anywhere. <laughs> I stopped um, reading after that part. I just couldn't take it anymore. I threw, I threw it across the, the, 
across the, 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 the room. I couldn't handle it. What the hell's the point of continuity anyway? <laughs> I mean, you know, to be like, again, my, my point with Judge Dredd always is that the Dread world is so full of time travel that anything's possibly canonical. It doesn't really matter, you know? Like, if you can change the whole world from killing a butterfly, like, in the Jurassic period, they're harvesting thousands of dinosaurs for their flesh every minute, you know? So, it's, there's a yeah, lot going yeah, on yeah. timeline-wise. Anyway, this doll has a pull string and it does, in fact, say, I've wet my knickers, which is gross. Like, you know, yeah. you're just hanging I've, uh, out all day with the with the pee pants doll, buddy. Like, I don't know. Um, I've never been a fan of those, even for kids. Uh, my uh, my mother-in-law wanted to get one, something like that for my daughter. And I was like, hey, no, thanks. It's, it's just it seems popular. Yeah, we I can just know. play pretend with their other dolls. <laughs> yeah, all, all the purpose-built ones. Like, oh yeah, is this one like the ones where they like actually wet themselves and stuff like mm-hmm. that? I mm-hmm. remember being weirded out by it a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, I don't know. I've got I I had action figures that shot missiles. So I guess that's just the that's just gender norms for you or something. I guess shoot <laughs> missiles, piss your pants, pick one. Uh, why not both? <laughs> imagination that's and what he, it's for yeah definitely so dread manages to put it all together and gets to work as judge planet approaches the world dread has 500 men and a thousand robots work together to make a gigantic judge planet sized version of the betsy wetsy doll for him they shoot it up into space and he grabs it reunited the two head off into the into the big black to adventure together, I guess. And at this point, the narration gets a little crazy as Betsy reveals that somehow their their souls have merged to become a and have formed a perfect bond together. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Like I said, I stopped reading after fourteen years. <laughs> I I wet my knickers. Billy changes me. It's a beautiful marriage. It's so weird. <laughs> this, oh. this last. This last page was the the one thing that just like weirded me out the most. Like, yeah, just that 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 we're trying to make it a marriage of man and doll of a, of a space planet sized man and doll kind of uh, is confusing, I guess. And in the end, the two of them are walking up into stratosphere, but first they get a nice family photo with the Earth with Betsy sitting on top of it and Judge Planet in the background. Judge Planet sh- sh- shouting, "I am the firmament." I like that. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I think I like it pretty well, honestly. Like, the art's really, like, amazing. The story is fun, but indescribable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, good. Like, if the goal was to kind of be, was to be, was to weird people out and be memorable, I feel like this is very much doing what it's trying to do, for sure. But, oh, man, with all that said, Zane... Cheese and crackers, we have finished the 1991 Judge Dredd Mega Special. Woohoo! Yeah, very uh, exciting. Yes. It wasn't bad. I thought it was I fun. It. Yeah. And with that said, I have a question for you, which is what were your top and bottom thrills for this one? Um, okay, so I'm going to cheat for my top and I'm going to pick uh, Love Story Part 1 and 2. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I, I think it works well when you read them back to back like that and i thought mm-hmm. i i liked that a lot and um uh i really liked the ending for that one uh just the she got crazier throughout the second one and it, it really felt like it was earned 
after mm-hmm. if you read the first one because she's not as bad and it just gets worse. And I really like that because the what was the quote at the end? Some people some people change and then uh, others don't or something like that. Others take longer. I can't remember what the quote was oh, at the end of the first part. Some recover quickly. Others take a little longer. And I thought that worked really well when you read into the second one going into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some, but, uh, some people never do, it seems. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was good. I really enjoyed this story. It, um, I liked it, too, because it wasn't like a big action story, uh, you know, talking down uh, a murderer with the hostage situation. It was really good, uh, really good dread acting on uh, throughout the whole the whole yeah, thing the yeah. writer did a really good job with this yeah one. dread dread faking being in love and stuff like that just doing it mm-hmm. all the stuff his face is just so deadpan as he does and stuff like that really great yeah absolutely that was really good um and then for bottom i kind of have like I, I wasn't a big fan of the the judge planet story Sure. Um, but it was still really good. Like it had, I really liked the artwork for, for sure. I, the visors, like you said, the helmet was kind of messing with me. It was all like techno-y looking with the way they did the shading or the lighting on it. But mm-hmm. it was the one thing that I kept on looking at and I'm like, okay, who's dread in this? <laughs> Every right. time I looked at it and I had to keep double checking. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I'm going to just pick mask of the judge death uh, mm-hmm. for my bottom. Uh, like you said, it's based off a book. Um, wasn't really, feeling it when i read it that's kind of all i can really say i feel like if i could read the book and uh like kind of read necropolis or listen to you guys talk about Mm -hmm. it again um i might uh i might enjoy it more but uh you know props to uh the judge judge uh death the way he looks in this really enjoyed that getting the guy's face squished otherwise (laughs) it was uh it was a really good one still still my bottom fair yeah, I think I might join you with Mask of the Judge Death on my bottom. Um, I do really like John McRae's art, um, but it still very much feels like it does seem like it's relying on this um, on the Edgar Allan Poe story and stuff like that a little bit too much. Um, so yeah, not and not and so thus like while again I really like the art and the people in the costumes and stuff, and then it being sort of so like so black with Judge Death when Judge Death arrives mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, that's really cool. Um, but in the end, I just sort of like the story itself was kind of hard to follow and like just didn't really do a great job, I think, of, of telling this tale. Um, for yeah. my top, um, I think I might actually say Judge Planet, I think. Um, okay. I definitely had some problems with it, but I would also say that it's really str- it's a really striking story. And the one that since I first read this special really stuck with me and made me feel like I needed to comment on it, I guess. And I feel like for me, that's something that I'm looking for in a top thrill, especially for um, for a spe- for a special like this, which often has new artists and new, you know, new talent, basically. Mm-hmm. Like this made me very excited for um, Shaky K to finally make it to the magazine, which he'll do um, – in like 92, I want to say, like when the big uh, big reboot for volume two of the magazine, he'll have the Soul Sisters story and stuff. And that's what I'm, I'm excited to just because it does look so different from from anything else that, we're, that, that we've looked at 
in these comics and things like that. And I feel like, you know, want to foster, you know, do what I can to give good marks for, for, uh, for strange new looks, even if it is 30 years ago or whatever, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Awesome. All right. So this show, so thanks so much for everybody who came into the show. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at BigMeg1.com. Feel free to contact us at BigMeg1 at gmail.com with 2080 forums or on our Facebook or Twitter pages. On tw- For all those things, you can BigMeg1-O-N-E spelled out. Um, for yeah, and so it should be good times. This show is brought to you by Steve Greens and Kip Miller. Oh man, that guy right there. Hey, and that's you're- me. And your friends, the 2080 Forums, if you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There, you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even a monthly Q&A with Fox and myself. And come back next time as we start a couple new stories in the magazine, as we leave Mega City 1 and head to future Russia in Red Razors and jolly new Brit sit with Armitage. Oh. Until then, oh, Zane, uh, where can we find you on the internet if you'd like to be found? Uh, I am still posting casu- casually on my uh, Instagram, uh, Gambare Anime San, uh, and I just take bad. Uh, pictures of bad background characters in anime they're out there uh, for sure good time looking weird the world needs to know definitely awesome (laughs) hold anime accountable (laughs) i'm ready i feel like yeah that's a good crusade all right so we'll see you next time but until then i'm conrad there's aiden we are big meg one drop it So, okay, so the special opens with, with a cover by Dean Ormstrom, who is really doing a lot of work in the magazine these days. He'll be starting the, the Raptar story pretty soon in there. And he's got a very shocked-looking Judge Death sitting in his throne with the title Screamer on the top, or on, on the bottom, I should say, with a K and three E's, so you know it's pretty intense. Um, um Uh-oh. I think I read the wrong comic. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I took your second link, right? Oh, yeah, I got the 1992 special. Jesus <sighs> Christ. I'm such an idiot. All right. <laughs>